everybody. Welcome to episode number 32 of the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFP podcast is brought to you by Sneaky Weasel Lager and Hey All Southern Ice Teas, the official alcohol sponsor of the show. As well, our official clothing sponsor, Wrangler, Long Live Cowboys. Hey, when I say that, I probably shouldn't say number 32, right? It's just episode 32, not number 32. Does that make sense? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> However... However, people get the gist. Yeah, they get the gist of it. All right, yeah. we're back, everybody. Good to good to see everybody. Uh, I'll introduce the guys. We got Jason Davidson back. Skipped last week, but good to have you back, buddy. Skipped. Skipped. You make it sound like it just dropped out, like school or something. Oh fuck! What what happened? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was I doing last week? Edmonton, oh, I think. Let's hear. I was wait. in Edmonton. There good I was. Work. I was working. I was working for us, fellas. <laughs> That's what for I was right. Fucking there. You knew it. Oh, <laughs> fucking right. Line in my pocket. I love it, Let's go, baby. <laughs> so what what's I up, do? Jason? Good to have you back. What's going on? Oh, what is going on? Well, getting busy with a few hockey contracts here. Um, that'll ramp up. The draft is next week now. When are we dropping this pod? Two days from now? Yeah, Thursday. Um, yeah, so when we drop this, we'll be uh, July fifteenth. Seven sleeps away <coughs> from the uh, draft. Oh, easy, Scott. Oh, Scott. You better go rip a dart. No, I, <coughs> pardon me. I just took a drink of water, and holy fuck me, it went down the wrong way. <laughs> Sorry, fellas. Oh, uh, Scott, yeah. Bird, Scott Bird is back as well. What's up, Scotty? Other than fucking choking on your own water, there. What's happening? Yeah, just about fucking trying to die at the moment but anyways uh yeah it's back it's uh hot dry and uh been giving her shit to, like like jason there's lots of stuff going on now with uh bull ridings and rodeos and uh, lots of darcy's traveling around now so clothes are getting busy and uh kids are lippy uh the wife's gone for the day so rock and roll there we go nice game day <laughs> Jason, what's going to go on right now with uh, with the draft and this new team, the expansion and whatnot? Is there a lot of shit on the go for agents and, and everybody in the in the league? Well, yeah. If if you got a player that's you know going to be exposed, we haven't seen those lists yet. That'll come out early uh, early next week, I believe. And then I think that uh, I want to say the expansion drafts Tuesday or Wednesday, and then we roll right into the to the NHL draft. So yeah, there'll be uh, lots of conversations with uh, Ron Francis, who's the GM of the new Seattle Kraken team. And uh, um, there will be lots of side deals going on. It'll be like Vegas, like that one, like the fucking craziness and magic that they did to pull that team off. Vegas set the bar. So if you don't, if you think that they're just all getting together this week and going to start picking players that they've been at this for months, months and months. Uh, You look at how good Vegas has been right out of the gate. Um, There'll be those kind of expectations I would imagine with management and ownership in Seattle. So it'll be good. Um, I, I think most of my players will be protected, my NHL guys, but, who knows? Who knows? Is it going? Is it somewhere that the guys want to go? What's the the feeling within the players? Like Vegas, I'm sure the guys would didn't mind going there because it's fucking Vegas and the taxes are a little bit better there. What's uh, what's Seattle looking like? Do you think guys will want to go and play there? I uh, I couldn't actually answer that because I haven't even asked any of my guys that because I don't think they're they're in the mix. I think they're protected, but. 
Yeah, it's a new market. I think Seattle will be crazy. The fans, I think they'll be they'll be awesome there. Brand new venue. Um, it'll there'll be a big rivalry with Vancouver and yeah. Seattle. I think you know a, a Canadian hockey market. So that's cool. Uh, I like that part of it. I think that'll be a pretty cool rivalry. Um, you know, it's some of these guys. You look at some players like Marshall or. Alex Tuck or Carlson that, that went to even Chandler Stevenson, my guy that went to Vegas later, look at where their careers have went since they got a change of scenery. So Mm -hmm. I think that's how you, you know, if I did have a guy that was selected, that's, that's how you look at it. Look at, look at what it did for these guys. Got a shot. Plus opportunity. If you fucking, if something doesn't go great with your hockey career, you could just fucking start doing some grunge rock and underground fucking Nirvana Pearl Jam <laughs> sure. shit. 100%. 100%. <laughs> 100%. The birth shit. of grunge. Shit, maybe Carey Price wants to go there. Maybe. Who knows? Cl- close to home. It'll be cool to see. Uh, it's always, it, we look at it as like, as just something that's pretty awesome and you get to see a new team and guys go, but the uprooting of their lives and all that other shit, especially in older, older players like that, or that have been so many places to just get uprooted and go like even like trades, you know, you know about all that stuff, Jason, it's you're dealing with people's lives, but it will be fun to fucking to see that new team and see how they, how they fare. Well, and teams, so they have to, they have to get above the lower limit of the cap and obviously can't exceed the 81 and a half million. And in this flat cap era the last three years now um there'll be teams having to expose some big contracts on purpose for that reason they need to clear cap space you know so it would be good to watch get to watch speaking of watching the calgary stampede has been popping off here uh we'll be when this comes out we'll be in the middle of of pool b but pool a just wrapped up uh our guys seem to be kicking some ass dakota butter zeke thurston Uh, Dakota wins his pool. Dakota won a fucking shit pile of money in the second. Yeah, day, he's gonna be over storm. twenty grand, eh? Twenty. I bet he's close he to thirty. Like 20, yeah, because it's is it fifteen or seventeen thousand and around? He get all that money. He won seventeen at around two, and then he won the first round, and then he was third in the last round. So yeah, you're uh, right. So twenty-seven, yep. twenty-eight grand, nice. Yeah, and I think half of it counts towards the the world standing. So uh, towards the PRCA world standing. So Butters, you know, he's got close to 15 or whatever it is now towards the world standing. So good for Dakota. He, he rides like we know that he can ride and shows up at, at that stage and kicks the ass. The, the bull riding side of thing wasn't, wasn't as impressive. There was some um, different guys in there that, you know, you're not used to within the PRCA world compared to your PBR guys like Lemme and, and um, you know, Sage Kimsey, I don't even think is there all, you know, your guys aren't there, but those Canadian guys, I was proud of stepped up to the plate, covered Chuck, Garrett Green. Um, the, our Canadian guys really showed up and showed out what they what they got and can can ride at the top level. That's for sure. I thought. Yeah, well, with that yeah. ground money, that's where that's where a guy can really cash in. Um, and and then the bonus, <laughs> obviously, of fifty is it's still fifty thousand, even to the U.S. guys after they get taxed. It's a nice little it's a nice little paycheck. But um, I was just looking at the PRCA standings. Um, you know, those guys had a pretty good fourth sage JB, um, our guy Stetson, like those guys are winning Stetson's really 
go running away with the all around. I think he's got about 60,000 on tough Cooper. Yep. He's closing in on his big brother in the Brunk ride and he's closed that gap and he's closed the gap in on, on Sage a bit too. So he's sitting number two in the Brunk ride and in the bull riding. But uh, cool. you know, th- those guys made a decision to stay South and not have to worry about quarantining or being at the border. And because a lot of times those guys will run away, you know, for Saturday, usually I think it's Casper is one of the rodeos you can get to, uh, during stampede on loser Saturday and then back for the championship round. Well, I don't even know if you could do that now without. No, I don't you know. think so. Right? Well, I so, don't know. This on your back. Uh, you know, they made a business decision and we'll see how it pans out for them. Yeah. Uh, I talked to Jared Parsons yesterday and he's been in Calgary for three days. He starts in Pool B today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was part of the deal. Like, yeah, had to come in. Yeah, you're bubbled. He's been bubbled up. Yeah. yeah. I've been hearing that they, they, they're in their bubble and they all have to do their own thing, but they have kind of people running in and out for them and getting the stuff that they need. And, mm-hmm. um, I heard the Bronc riders got like a fucking flat shit file piles of beers and they fucking brought them in for them. So I don't think there's, <laughs> I don't think they're too worried about not having a fun time within the bubble, as you can imagine rodeo competitors would be doing with your buddies and not being able to leave the place. So sounds like it's not too bad of a inside that bubble when, when you hear about it, but, yeah, just a crazy and, world. And uh, just to see or hear how stringent the rules are, Wade Rempel showed up and he tested positive and they sent him home. That's what day. happened. I, think, I seen he wasn't there. That's what went on. Yeah. Who was? Wade Rempel showed up and just going to go business as usual and took his first test and tested positive. Oh, I wondered and, why he wasn't there. I saw from, just two horses. Yeah, and from what I heard, it was like – load up and get out like there was no pissing around so um they have brought in a third guy now and i think it looks like travis erickson but i'm not 100 percent sure on that so yeah, um sure. yeah kind of shitty for wade you know they've been waiting a year and a half or whatever yeah and how many years has he been there 20 well, exactly. yeah exactly. Sure. he got the 25 year award i think when i was there didn't he or is that gary Probably, I don't know. Probably well, both. Probably yeah, both. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's but anyway, that's uh, they're being pretty, pretty stringent on everything. So I heard that at the at the start of the week, it's like fifty percent. By middle of the week, they're supposed to be at seventy percent, and by the end of this motherfucker, they're going back to a hundred percent. Is that true? Oh, capacity. No. Yeah. Capacity. Yeah. That's what I heard. I, I don't know. I, I don't can't know, confirm but, that. Might just be starting rumors, but that's what we do on here anyway. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Right. I, I don't know what your opinions take, only. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I don't know what your take is on it. If they are allowing fifty percent right now, I don't think there's fifty percent there. No, it looks uh, well. The night the night shows look good though. Did they? Like I uh, I saw some pictures. Um, my old brother from another mother, Sylvan Bourgeois, he's over with his crew doing the pickup race and all that stuff. And uh, I saw some pictures on his Instagram last night and it showed the grandstand and it looks a lot, which in every most yeah. case, there's always more people at the, the night show, the night yeah. show right? Mm-hmm. Um, until the last weekend, then the grandstand usually packs up. You know, when you're looking down to the south yeah. and that grandstand's like, got people in it you know wow they, they did well today yeah, yeah when the when the people are sitting in that end of the grandstand at the end of the cloud trail yeah they're watching a big screen that they provide because you can only see a third of the rodeo uh um, yeah yeah that's you know it's full you know yeah. full. other highlights from the stampede uh if you're on facebook at all is the 
lighting up of Cody Snyder. All the the whole barrel racing oh, world oh, is just oh, fucking. Oh, eating. So, oh god! So he's talking about how like it's, which uh, he, well, this will probably get me in trouble too. But fuck, he's he's telling the truth. That the fucking barrel racing is not as good as it normally would be, and your <laughs> PRCA world standings, your top of your world standings, aren't there. So how could you not say that it's not as good as it normally is? That's like saying that that uh. The, any other event without the top guys in the world being there is just as good as it would be normally. It's not. It's 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 a different game, and it's not your top people in the world. Great for the Canadian girls, and great for the other girls, the American girls that are there as well, getting that shot and getting that opportunity. Um, but yeah, they're just lighting him up that uh, they, that he's t- shit talking the Canadian girls and the brow racers that are there. But it's like I don't know, fuck yeah. Whether you're right or wrong, it's it's the look at the facts, look at the stats. It's not the same as what it normally would be. And I think you're seeing that in a lot of different events. Lots of yeah. the top people aren't there. Yeah, great for the people that are there that are doing good. And there is lots of the top competitors in the world that are there. So right on, fucking rights. But don't fucking lose it on them and call them out for telling the fucking truth, I think. But yeah, that's... that's well, let's not cool. forget, they did have a jackpot to fill some holes at the Calgary Stampede. When's that happened? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I, I agree. And you know what? The people that are there in each event, the cream's going to rise to the top within that competition, whether it's Bronc Ride and Steer Wrestling, doesn't matter. And we're going to have a champion on next Sunday. So there it is. Yeah, so it's a, look at the animal side of things too. Like Calgary's having to fill it with all all of their animals, right? And instead of bringing in a bunch of other contractors like normal within the bull riding world too, you have to be PRCA carded. So, you know, there's like Nansen's got, Vold's got some stuff, but I think Sawyer's coming in with some and Dwayne Kessler was there the other day as well, but they're really cut back on on the amount of stock that they're bringing in. And you're seeing it within the Bronc riding. Uh, the last day of pool pool A was was not not that great, you know, and there's a bunch of re-rides and, uh, I think that's just what happens when you have to fill it with everybody's, you have to bring everything you have, right? You've seen the bull ride in the one day Calgary brought a bunch of bulls and they haven't, they haven't seen a bunch of, of town. It looks like, and um, you see a lot of guys getting wrecked out in the buck and shoots and you know, they bucked all the guys off, but it was a fucking shit show of a day that you wouldn't expect to have at the Calgary stampede at the biggest rodeo in the world. So yeah. um you just, you know, instead of hiding from it and pretending that it's the fucking greatest thing and everybody's so happy and so great, there's, yeah, there's, it's a different year and it's a different Calgary Stampede than normal. So call it how it is. I think Cody was doing that. So wow, wow, wow. Garrett, Garrett Green, he didn't know he was in Calgary for a good Jesus. Five Holy fuck. That thing looked like he'd done that before, too. Oh, Did you yeah. see the video? So Garrett Green uh, gets knocked out in the bucking shoots for those that, that didn't get to see it. Yeah. Bull, he slides up on his rope, both throws his head up and knocks him out fucking cold with his hand tied to the back of him. Still, they had to pull I him didn't out of there. see it yet. Oh, have they, have they been showing the replay? No, I just got it on a Snapchat from, from somebody sent it over. It was kind of going around that way, but but good for him. He, he didn't get, you know, he was trying to get on. And, and uh, that's another thing that I was going to push on. Cody, we talked about the, the Ty Posbon Foundation in the broadcast and, and how it's changed things. And, and, uh, the concussion protocols now that are in place. So a guy like Garrett, it's the Calgary Stampede. I'm sure he would have tried to get on and, and yeah. if oh, there yeah. wouldn't have been those yeah. in place, those concussion protocols, uh, as egotistical as we all are, he probably would have tried to ride and tried to get on and didn't pass the, the protocols and the rules that come into play. And I think that'll save him in the long run with, with head stuff that's going on. So a few other guys too, concussion protocols came into play and, and uh, they weren't allowed to compete, which is, which sucks for them, but somebody has got to step in and, and make sure that these guys 
I'm going to have a quick view here, fellas. I found it. Yeah, she was a snoozer. But a guy like Garrett, so the way the Calgary works, you don't have to ride in every round. He'd won enough in the in the first round that he still makes it through to Championship Sunday. So we're going to see Garrett oh. back if he can pass the test and, and be back for Championship Sunday. So good to see. I think Cody Coverchuk got back as well in the bull riding uh, yeah, and J.C. Mortensen, um, you know, third-generation bull rider there. So cool to see those I remember, uh, well, we, we used to have his dad and uncle up here all the time at the PBR is old JC Mortensen. He was a steer rider there at Calgary every year. Um, yeah, it's good to see that. I love to see that shit. Um, you know who else? Uh, remember Briggs Madsen? Yep. Kid that used to travel with the rights. Yep. He's clicking over the fourth. He had a good fourth. And actually, so did JC. Had a hell of a fourth. Mm-hmm. Probably won 15 or 18,000 and just catapulted himself. It's funny how those standing shift after about seven days, the first seven days of July, man, there's a lot of money to be won. In other news, rodeo side of things kicked back off in the CPRA with uh, Bonneville Pro Rodeo and TP Creek. I was up in TP Creek. Uh, and speaking of rodeo things, I, I put a post on Instagram of, of a bullfighting thing that was my first rodeo and my phone rang within about 10 minutes and it was a friend of the show, JB Mooney, reaching out, said, hey, I see you're rodeoing. I'm rodeoing. Let's fucking chat about rodeo. So we had a good uh, <laughs> rodeo conversation and uh, good to hear from him. He's on the trail living out of his, uh, he's got kind of a motorhome type of thing and he's just a, a KOA member. So he's just going from, from pit stop to pit stop, hunkering in, but loving the rodeo life, bumped himself up. He told me to fifth in the world standings and loving every minute of it. So I think it's, uh, it's going to be tough to see JB go back to that PBR side as he's, as he's been there and done that on that side of things. And I think he's, from what I'm getting from, I'm really loving that rodeo side of things and, and going all in with that. So congrats to him and look forward to seeing him at this year's NFR. And uh, how did uh, the one and only Tanner Byrne enjoy his first rodeo experience in a long time? It was fucking, it was pretty good. It was like, I seen a wild horse race. I don't know if anybody's seen that on my, on my <laughs> yeah, Instagram. It's been a lot like it. I've been, a, it's been a minute since I've been to uh, to a rodeo. I went to some CCA rodeos, but I really like was wanting to pay attention to, to this one. And, you know, there wasn't a bunch of guys considering that Calgary was on and, and with the Canadian contingent that we have at Calgary, it really uh, took away from, from the, the guys that were up there so there was only five guys a day and the bareback ride and there was two or three a day so lots of time to vent people that were rolling and lots of people that i haven't seen for a long time so that was great to, to catch up with a lot of people in that sense but yeah looking forward to going to a few more of them and and uh seeing a bigger a bigger entry list but yeah like i said there wasn't a bunch of a bunch of guys a bunch of people so i was a little bit quieter on that end but uh i got to hang out with Dwayne kessler uh, he nice. was, he was good. Good to see Kessler rodeo fucking right. He told me that he had three that weekend and he's got yeah, a just from none home. to three in a weekend. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Chase, Chase, uh, former guest of the show, his son Kessler was uh, running the one in, in Drummond that they were at and, and Dwayne was up here. So they got a bunch of different rigs on the go and good to see Dwayne Kessler championship rodeo back in full stride. And, and, uh, looks like they have a full season ahead of them and, and they're, uh, in a great mood. Dwayne even let one kid fucking repo his rope. I was like, where was that 10 years ago, Dwayne? <laughs> 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 yeah. So no, it was good to, good to hang out with them and have good conversations with, with that whole crew. So yeah, good to, it was good. It was fun. Yeah. Looked a uh, long ways up there. TP Creek's not close to Prince Albert, Saskatchewan when you look at a map, but back. Oh, you're almost to Wanham, buddy. Almost to Wanham. Yeah. So yeah. Shout out. 
uh, Landon Schmidt, a young boat rider from up here in Canada. He uh, grabbed my truck and, and drove me up to Edmonton and kept my truck at his place. And I jumped in with Todd Chadowitz and me and Todd had a good time up there and golfing and, and uh, had some, had some fun times. And then caught a ride back with Coy Robbins and his dad back to Landon Schmidt. So kind of that old, uh, which I've been part of for a long time, that old rodeo crew and catching rides and fucking throwing your bags in different vans and trucks and making do. So yeah, it was fun, man. Flashback and look forward to keep fucking keep going, keep doing them. And what's up now? What do you guys got on the go? I'm going Livingston big sky here the next little week. Got a little Montana run on the go, which I'm looking forward to. And, uh, Scott, what are, what's, where are you at next? I'm headed to the high school provincial finals and then just really doing it two days at home and heading back to the Canadians and Swift Current and then on to Josh's and uh, his deal down there, which I'm excited about. And that's about it right at the moment. I guess things uh, things will start ramping up after that, right, JD? Yeah, yeah, they will. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I'm up to. Got some hockey work to do here for the next couple of weeks till this draft's over and then the free agency. Um, uh, I think we're in pretty good shape that way. And then, yeah, like Scott said, once once we get done with Josh's, we're only three weeks away and kicking off the Cup Series events. So um, we're going to have some... We're going to have some good announcements, big announcements for the bull riders, I think, here. Um, you know, considering what we went through in the last 16 months, I think they'll be pretty happy to hear. Um, Edmonton goes on sale here this week, the PBR Canada Finals at Rogers Place, which is really exciting. I was up there last week, did a walk through that building again, which, you know, I've had pleasure being in that building for the Global Cup and a few hockey games, man. You're standing at ice level looking up like that's a what a magnificent building. So we're looking forward to that. Um, great partners with OEG. Um, yeah, I, we're getting some solid response from some sponsors. Yeah, it should be good. Um, it'll be a nice way to get through 2021 on a high note. I, I really do feel that way. And, and 2022, I think we'll have 2020 in those 15 months or four months after um, in our rear view mirror and back to normal. Good to see what's everybody's yeah. sorry, but what's everybody's views with, uh, Alberta after the stampede's gone? Cause I've got some people saying, Oh Christ, they're just gonna, they're just gonna lock it down again. I, uh, and I will have not. a, I'll have a look what's going on. The U S is open. Yeah. Right. It's, it's wide yeah. open has been like the Dakotas, uh, uh montana those northern states arizona like they're they're going on four or five months of you know look at florida florida celebrated two championships and style is anybody dying no uh, no, no. Well, they, might be, they might be from the fucking party that they got going on yeah. not from COVID. you know what people just gotta shut off their tvs and quit yeah. listening to yep. what what the, the bullshit they're feeding you on the news it's just like god shut it off folks shut it off turn on the nfp podcast we'll get that's you right. the facts yeah that's sorry right. i brought it up fuck go ahead tanner go ahead oh it's good i, was, <laughs> I love it i was gonna say that 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 uh party that's going on for the stanley cup they did wreck the stanley cup too did you see that fuck oh that's the top of it. That thing is creased like a oh, cowboy hat that just got stomped. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and that's probably because of maybe a few too many sneaky weasel loggers. But hey, if you're looking for a smooth, refreshing beer this weekend, grab yourself a sneaky weasel craft lager. This mildly hop craft lager delivers a bold 5.6 ABV, but goes down crisp and clean. This beer pairs well with any boat riding celebration, fun in the sun, and good times with friends. This beer is available across all of Western Canada. Sneaky Weasel Lager, the official beer sponsor of the NFP podcast. Have you talked to Luke? I text him right after he won. Uh, and then I got a text back at like 6.30 in the morning, which would be yes. 8.30 over there. Yes. And I'm like, are you still going? And he's like, actually, he just got up from a one-hour nap, and we're going again. <laughs> so I, I, but I know uh, his mom and dad are down there now, Jeff and Rita. Um, how cool. He's got a little guy, uh, Kingston. So Kingston would be turning – I guess he'd be turning four now. He was on one of the boats and they had a little Stanley cup and he was drinking juice out of the cup. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. pretty cool. What a memory, you know, to, oh, to oh have my with your family. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. They're having a good so, time. So what does happen when you're the drunken sailor that drops the Stanley cup? Like what is that? Is that the original one? Or no, they... no, 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 no. They got a couple. There might even, I think there might be three of them um yeah good yeah you just get a get an old on to the next one get an old blacksmith <laughs> and an anvil and just heat that sucker up and pound her back pound her shape. Yeah. No. see kucherov that he's just going fucking hard in the paint oh my god oh yeah awesome. yeah it's good to see yeah they're trying to outdo ovi yeah. ovi stanley cup party <laughs> yeah i think they're, they're doing a good job they're doing too. a very good job yeah they're taking the cake uh news in the pbr did you see that they have signed a deal with pluto whatever that yes. is so yeah. do you know anything about that, Jason, or can you explain? Because I have no fucking idea what that yeah, is. Yeah, a little bit. It's just uh, it's going to pivot from Ride Pass to the Pluto platform, which was is worldwide. It's just I, I think it's got more tentacles. It's broader reach, um, and it's going to be free. Um, so, yes, when we were actually doing the Cowboy Channel contract, the, those conversations were being had back then. So um, I, it's great. You know, I think we'll reach more households. Um with that so that should be uh it should be really good for pbr and for the brand so it it still will be called ride pass but available on pluto correct i believe yes sir okay, okay. yes cool. sir Okay, uh, we can get into our guest today. Austin Beasley joins us, a Canadian legend. Uh, you guys rodeoed and, you know, more your generation of guys, somebody that I looked up to, obviously, as a young Canadian guy, but uh, looking forward to having him on the pod. We had a really good chat with him, and he goes in deep onto, you know, some mental health stuff and his career, and fucking was a really great, great chat with Austin. Look forward to everybody mm -hmm. here. Yeah, we go back a long way, that guy uh, and I. We traveled some miles, and... Uh, spent lots of time in Duchess in the bunkhouse and in the basement at his place. Um, he, you know, his mom and, and grandma bunny, they were such awesome. They were like mom and grandma for all of us too. You know, yeah. uh, you always had a bed, you always had a meal, um, and you always had a beer. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Austin and Kelly were, uh, and Brad Link, that's kind of the three I remember when I was yeah. even still trying to as I refer to so many times, dominate the bull riding world. Cause I started <laughs> quite, a bit, quite a bit later, but, um, but yeah, he was around long enough um, that I fought bulls for a lot of years for those, that group of guys really. And um, so it's fun. It's interesting. I haven't talked to Austin or seen Austin really. I think 
Jason, since your mom's funeral was the last time I, I kind of seen him and uh, yeah, it's good to see him again. And they were the guys I, at that point of, of my career and for three or four years in there, those were the guys you looked out for as a, as a competitor or competing against those they were at the top of their game and um, they had fun. They had fun and they made sure. And I think you'll touch on it too, a little bit in the, Bought as if you stubbed a toe, they would not fucking oh. let you forget it. <laughs> I, uh, they, they were like vultures. They just, like, oh, if, yeah. any, if you said anything a little bit wrong or did things a little bit different, they'd just be, uh, yeah, uh, you just, you, they made you, it they was made painful. You. It was yeah. painful. Like yeah. to the point where you wanted to choke both the little pricks out. But <laughs> yeah, if you grabbed right? a hold of one, you had the other one nipping at your heels. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, uh, you know what? I uh, I never brought this up in the pod. Uh, I got thinking, you know, Austin brought something up about, you know, travel with certain guys and and make and it made you better. I, I go back to, I think it was like 1993. I was fighting the, the Alberta high school finals for Stan Weatherly. And Austin Kelly, Chad Pegan, Marty Broderson, Dick Barrett, who was a high school phenom, Brad Link. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the Krolik brothers. I think BJ Cramps was in that group. Like, like these kids were, mm-hmm. you know, there was, well, they were all at CCA finals, FCA finals, or Chinook finals the same year, just still in high school, you know? So there was definitely some talent. I don't know. I really don't know if there's been a group of guys in that age group um, within those two years that have pushed out that much talent uh, since. Group. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, world class. Yeah, that's awesome. Good. So yeah, we're looking forward to our visit with him coming up here pretty soon. Before we get to that, though, Manscaped. Summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? You're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The 4.0 complement your dad bod or six pack with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer with 20% off free shipping by going to manscaped.com and enter the code NFP20. It's time to bundle up with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop preser- Preserver ball deodorant, Cop Reviver toner. <laughs> Fuck, is that a tongue twister? Crop Reviver toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. First off, the new Performance Package 4.0 includes the new Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is insane, and dare I say it, the goat of ball trimmers. Yes, I said it. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too, in the shower or in the wild? And from your chest pubes all the way down to your ball fro, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best trimmer for you. That's a fucking gold one. That's a fucking, that's a Jackie Moon quote. No, that's a Step Brothers, I think. My chest pubes to my ball for a Do they send you those or do you write them up yourself? No, there's, yeah, that's Oh, I was going to say, you're quite a poet, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Want to take your grooming game even further? The next level, the Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer properly provides 
proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. So yes, get 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com. Enter the code NFP20. That's 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash NFP20. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. Fucking boom chakalaka. Well done. Thanks. Well done. Thanks, take, a, take a breath and a drink. And a drink yeah. and a sneaky weasel lager. Do you guys watch the UFC fights? Big news. Probably the biggest news of the week. Conor McGregor. What? Did yeah. you That's see the only that? Oh, did you fuck. see? They had a stop like motion of ah. when, when, his, when his foot was around the backside looking at him the wrong way. Yeah. God damn. It's lucky that didn't God poke damn. through. A compound. Yeah. Function. Like he was that's like, what, that's what I and I didn't I just heard the stop kind of the like, fight. Yeah. <laughs> he was fucking choked that they kind of stopped it too, eh? Like oh what a psycho. He was just fucking going off. Like love the guy, but just chill the fuck. And he's I know he's trying to get the ratings and stuff, but he's telling him he's gonna kill him and kill his family and fucking kill him in their sleep and that his wife's in his DMs and it's like he's just fucking you just lost and he's pretending that he yeah. didn't lose, but a fucking broken leg's a broken leg, you still lost. Lost the fucking fight, right? So well, and he and he would have been losing the fight after round one. Yeah, I wouldn't want to fuck I, with that Poirier. That guy looks fucking salty. Yeah. Cajun He's business. He's all business. Hey, yep. Hey, a I, good I, guy. I, like all around, like his he's doing stuff for charity. And even in his speech after the fight was done, he's like, like like Connor's down getting his leg fucking put in a sling or whatever he was getting done. And he's still yipping. And this guy's like, ah, fuck, guy's an idiot. Uh, yeah, there's a yeah. kid in the crowd that's having all these issues. And he's like, you know, he's doing doing it for the right way. And he's, I like that guy. I like that for you. I became a fan of yeah. him after all that. Not, yeah, I agree. Suffering to it and stepping up, rising above it. I, I threw it out there that I'd fight him. You know, I mean, Christ, be easy. <laughs> I, you pay you pay me a hundred grand, I'll walk in there, and let him fuck box my ears off, and <laughs> cry, cry for a while and go home. About three Bye. punches, three punches, <laughs> three. Yep. You've never seen me fight. Come One on. then. <laughs> One. Yeah, exactly. Scott likes to lead with his chin. <laughs> oh, I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. So. With that, I think that kind of uh, wraps us up and we'll come back next week and and uh, by that time, the Calgary Stampede will be over. So we'll have the champions in all the different events, but congrats to all the, the people in Pool A that made it through. And uh, we touched on a little bit. Zeke Thurston also made it through, kicked ass throughout the week. Has some knee issues as a, yeah. as a good How player. Uh, he's still got to get her lined out still got to get it figured out uh he rode the last day of of pool a and it didn't look like it hindered him at all while he was riding uh but as soon as he hit the ground he was you know yeah, yeah. and and looked very sore so uh i haven't heard the full extent of it i think he's just gonna try to get through calgary and then we'll we'll deal with that further and, and uh get some mris and whatnot and get that done but zeke's tough zeke's cowboy uh he, he's still my my pick to to win that whole title He's done it three times so I'll look out for that so uh you know it's part of the game part of the sport fucking injuries and and uh especially knees and shit like that are are that's gonna happen to you so yeah we're wishing him the best and hopefully things go go well for him and uh zane lambert another good one of our guys had a, had a good showing bucked off the last day of pool a at 7.6 oh, yeah. seconds yeah that was tough to, one to, take. to get back so thinking of him but i mean fuck zaner's riding hot right now he's doing good so look for him on wild card so. i just want to touch back on that ride did you see how many moves he made 
Yeah. Like, I mean, back lay back over the front side yeah, in. Come yeah. across. It, it was pretty, it was impressive. Nice. I mean, yeah. I mean, I thought he had him road. I mean, yeah. seven, six, seven point six nine. I think he was or whatever, but yeah. fuck man. He was trying his, uh, he he's, He's unreal right now. Like I don't it's know. It's a textbook Zane Lambert effort right there. Oh, right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Reminds me, uh, and you guys might be too young to remember Wade Joyle, but Wade Joyle used to whatever it took to stay on. Like I mean, his back would be laying on the flank, just yeah. trying to get into the well, or yep. yeah, just whatever it took to get it done. Get the horn. You do. Yeah. Fuck the form, get the horn. I think that's it. That one. Yeah. I'm I'm also very impressed that you just said I would be too young to remember that. So that's awesome too. <laughs> All right, as you are two years older than me. One, yeah. I was uh, that's funny. No, I remember Wade Joy. That'd be a good fucking guest on the show too. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Just Dude. following the script here, LT. That's what we do, bro. <laughs> okay, without further ado. <laughs> We will throw it to our interview with Austin Beasley. Three angels setting a table for me tonight. Our guest today is a four-time CFR qualifier and an NFR qualifier. A great friend of the show from Duchess, Alberta, Austin Beasley. Austin, how are we doing today? Doing great, Tanner. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on the show, man. How's uh, how's things been around there? Pretty good. We're just uh, just living ranch life, you know. Uh, nothing too wild and crazy, uh, but uh, yeah, things are going good. Perfect. What are you? Are you on your fifth cup of coffee already? Here, this is a morning. This is a pretty early one for the for the pod crew here. So, just kind of curious, how many cups are you on now by eight fifteen a.m.? Oh, this is my second cup, but uh, I had to run out and uh, uh, do a few morning chores here this morning. So, I had a cup in the morning and then uh, made around and uh, covered my bases so I could uh, sit on here with you guys. So, yeah, <laughs> beauty, ready to roll. Cool. Hey, Austin. Uh, in this podcast, we usually at the start go back to how the how the guests kind of got into the sport or got into the the rodeo lifestyle type of thing. So, can you take us back maybe to your to your early days and and what brought you to the sport and if you did any other sports or what your what your youth kind of was like? Well, I I grew up a uh, rodeo kid. Uh, I, you know, I didn't know anything else other than rodeo and. Uh, uh, my family, my uncle Calvin Bunny rodeoed and and uh, so did my my dad, my stepdad, Mel Highland, was a big influence for me, and uh, and uh, I just uh, uh, when I was old enough to start, I just kind of got going. So I started riding steers when I was ten years old, and um, yeah, yeah, I had some uh, I had some pretty good influences when I was younger. You know, I got to ride around with uh, some pretty good bull riders packed me around when I was a steer rider, Cody Snyder, Dale Johansson, some guys like that, you know, and, um, so I had some early influences that, uh, that really made me want to, uh, stick with it. I played hockey when I was younger and, um, it was just a choice of, uh, rather ride steers or, or, or play hockey. And, and I thought, well, you know, my chances making it in, uh, to the NHL are, are pretty slim, but, uh, you know, I got to meet and ride with some uh, fans, 
things like that when I was a kid. And I just chose the rodeo uh, avenue before or from there and never really uh, strayed from it. So, um, yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> I think that was uh, that was my biggest thing. Um, when I was 12 years old, I got to go down to the NFR just to watch. And uh, and I remember meeting Lane Frost when I was down there. And and uh, that was just an experience I'll never forget. Uh, big influence, you know. I sat in that arena uh, when it was over and thought, "Damn it, I want to ride here one day." And yeah. uh, and it uh, that dream come true for me. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome, yeah. What was uh, what was Cody like? Cody Snyder as a as a kid traveling with him. What was he like back in those days? That was being his heyday, right? When when he was kicking ass and winning. What was he like, kind of? Yeah, he was almost kind of to the end of his career by then, but. Uh, you know, he was good. Uh, he was, uh, he was good. He, you know, one thing I remember is he stopped in at Bill Page's place and uh, Bill made his bull ropes and, and he told me, he says, you need to get a better rope. And uh, he took me over to Bill Page's, introduced me to him. Bill built me a, a, a steer riding rope. And, and uh, that was a, a friendship and a relationship that I had for uh, a long time. Bill's not with us anymore, but uh, he was a, another influence on me. He was a boxing coach and a bull rope maker and a trapper and a, and a, you know, he, he run, he was, a he was a neat guy. And, uh, and, uh, I had all my ropes made by him and, uh, it wasn't just for the ropes. It was for the, uh, the stop in and visit, you know, he had a little fur shack that he built his ropes in in the summer and, and, uh, you know, he was a boxing coach, so he could, uh, he was good. He'd get in your head and, uh, and, and make you think about it. You know, he knew what, uh, he knew what it meant to have the mental, uh, capacity to be a champion, you know, and, and he took a lot of guys, uh, to fight for golden gloves and things like that through his boxing club. And, uh, one day he actually came up here or for a, a couple of years, he'd come up here to Dutch's drove about an hour, uh, on his own dime just to get a few of us kids started boxing and things like that when I was little. And, uh, it, it was pretty neat. He, uh, he, he was a good, uh, good friend and a good influence for me. So, uh, that was one of the good things I got from Cody is uh, a good introduction to a good guy that helped me out uh, along the way. So yeah. what, what I, what I want to know is that any time when you travel with Cody or he was touring you around, did he ever look back and call you a fucking maggot? <laughs> territory. I think that's just in his vocabulary. He, he, uh, doesn't know how to talk any other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was, uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, I don't remember riding with him too many times, but what I do remember, he was, uh, yeah, he was damn sure willing to take a, a punk ass kid like me and, uh, and, uh, get me down the road. So I appreciate nice. that. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, uh, at that age, you were as lippy as you were at like between 16 and 24 years of age? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, that they, uh, they wrote an article about me in the Cloverdale uh, paper one time and it was, uh, it, and it mentioned something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think that just, uh, it, it rubs off on you kind of a quick cowboy wit, you know, and, uh, and I picked it up from a young age, just riding around with those guys and, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just uh, part of the game, I guess. So. Well, I'll t if you say it's part of the game, I, I can attest that it's never 
ever been played as well as you and your traveling partner, Kelly Armstrong, played it. Um, anybody, any of our listeners have any knowledge of Austin and Kelly, just think about what kind of a pain in the ass those two were for about a decade. <laughs> a complete yeah. decade. Nobody gets away with nothing, you know. It don't matter who you are. Exactly. I was, yeah, I was just gonna say. I remember coming on the scene in my big bull riding career there, and you two be walking around, and you you get so damn nervous that you were gonna fuck up. You'd fuck up, you know, and and you guys would be on you like a pack of wolves, making fun of you. So it kept you pretty honest. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, yeah, you didn't get away with much, you know. No, uh, no nothing. Nothing. And riding with each other, boy, I tell you, it was pretty tough to, uh, <laughs> you, you had to be on your game all the time. You just uh, couldn't get away with nothing, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, it was so, funny. Chad Pig and I remember he was, we were, he was riding along with us and, and uh, he was, uh, he, he, he had the, we were sleeping in the camper in the back, you know, he was driving in the night. And uh, I think he had rock set playing and, and jacked up. And we, I, I looked up there and he had the, he was rocking out. He had the, the rear view mirror turned back based on him and he was jamming and singing along, you know, and oh God, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get enough of it. We never let him get off of that kick for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> a little concert right there. So yeah, yeah. it was fun. It was fun. So when you were uh, when you were riding steers and and working your way up the ranks, were you kind of a like a phenom right from the start, winning through all the amateur ranks, uh, and then when you went into the pros, into the CPRA, was it kind of right from eighteen you were kicking ass, or how did your progression progression kind of go? It uh, it started off pretty good. Uh, I, I went to the CFR a couple times as a steer rider. Um, I had uh, I had some pretty good luck. Uh, you know, won uh, some amateur titles in the junior bull riding and, and, uh, and then in high school rodeo, uh, I done, uh, you know, I, I was pretty successful then too. Um, I won a Canadian in uh, Alberta, uh, or the provincial and the Canadian title in 1994 in the, in the, uh, in the bull riding and, uh, went to the nationals and, and, uh, it was good. You know, it was, uh, it started off. I, I had some momentum right from the start. Um, then I, I guess when I was 16, that's when I started to have to deal with uh, injuries. And that was the, that was the big thing. Uh, I got, had a bull step on me and out in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. And, uh, and uh, he put me in the hospital and, and uh, hurt me pretty good. I ended up, uh, I ended up losing a kidney and, you know, punctured, collapsed a, a lung and, and broke five or six ribs. And, and uh, I was in the hospital there for about three weeks. And it was nip and tuck. I just about didn't make her through that one. I sat in Moose Jaw for a week. They thought I had a, crack, a couple cracked ribs and a bruised lung. And, and uh, boy, I was uh, whacked out on morphine, couldn't tell the difference, you know. And my mom came out to see me a week later. And she, when she did, she couldn't even recognize me. And she got after them doctors and said, you better get this guy out of here. And, uh, and I mean now, and uh, they put me on an ambulance and took me to Regina. Uh, they got me in for a CAT scan and, and uh, I was under the knife within 45 minutes of, uh, Fuck. of that. And uh, that doctor was, uh, that doctor was uh, amazed I was alive. Uh, you know, they drained three liters of blood out of my, you know, my cavity and whatnot. And, pulled a kidney out of me and he said it was a wreck in there they cut me from 
you know, my breastbone right down to my hip and uh, opened me wide open to see what was going on in there. But I remember he would, uh, he, he, he was a surgeon, but he, he wasn't my doctor. And he, he'd come into the room uh, almost every day and he'd just say, hey, lucky man. Hey, lucky, hey, lucky man. man. Yeah. Uh, that was when 16? That was when I was 16, yeah. Now let's, you know what bull he was tying his hand to when he was 16? With was Sonny James, right? Jungle James. Jungle yeah, James. Jungle James. Oh, it doesn't matter. Pick oh, yeah. one. That's, that's yeah. 16. That's yeah. 16. Pick one. It doesn't matter. You wouldn't want to be tying your hand either at 16, I don't think. Yeah, no. on that note, Oz, do you think, um, looking back, do you think um, you could have used another couple years on, on some bulls that were maybe more uh, rider-friendly to a, a younger guy? Um, we, we've talked about it on this podcast before, how, how guys, you know, try to get to the top too fast you know and and they're just not physically and mentally ready to be tying their hands to to bulls of that caliber if you were to do it again would you change anything yeah i think to i think just pacing myself uh, because uh as soon as i had some success i expected so much more out of myself um yeah you know i was only i was only 15 16 years old and, uh, and, and I was winning and, and, uh, as soon as I could win at a high school or an amateur level, I thought I should go pro out my permit when I was 17 years old. And, you know, I was riding bulls professionally before I got out of high school. And, um, yeah, I mean, then I was putting myself up against the best of them and, and, and I got beat up and bucked off and, and, uh, kind of school hard knocks a little bit. And then. You know, I got it figured out and, and kind of rose to that level, but <clears throat> I took a shit kicking along the way. Uh, you know, my opinion on it is that I think that uh, I think that coaching, you know, I think is something that we don't have in this sport uh, that could be a big benefit. Uh, I think uh, having, uh, you know, a, a, a mentor, an advisor or something like that to, you know, to hold you hold you to your level. And uh, until you're ready to move on, because, uh, you know, as a as a talented uh, young athlete, you, you know, it, it, you're all ego. I mean, it's uh, it, it's just uh, you push yourself to your absolute limits. And and uh, it's a dangerous sport to be, you know, uh, riding out of your league. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's important to uh, to pace yourself until you're ready. Fucking but, a. You know, I like that you said that. There's a lot of guys that uh, had all their, you know, had all their, uh, a lot of their success early in life too, you know, so yeah. it's, it's hard to say. Uh, it's hard to say. That coaching aspect side of things or the advisor side of things, I take it back to like hockey players. And could you imagine a 16 or 17 year old hockey player that doesn't have a coach or doesn't have a, a team behind them? They're the same as us, a little bit fucking wild, crazy, like to have a great mm-hmm. time uh and we're on our own right so you see lots of guys that are you know like you say 17 18 all the talent in the world have no no advisor nobody to fucking take care of their shit because we're obviously not going to do that we're riding bulls for a fucking living right you're not really thinking about the the safety side of things or the right side of things so i think that could be huge for a lot of a lot of young guys would be have some sort of coach or a lot of times mentors i guess are in it but i think that that side of things is kind of coming along now for for these guys in a sense yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, really, just taking the uh, taking those young guys under your wing and and 
you know, giving them some sound advice and keeping them on the right path. Um, that's, uh, yeah, I think we'll see more and more of that here, uh, in time, but, mm-hmm. um, but we, it just wasn't, uh, so much a thing back then. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I think it affected a lot of guys, uh, careers because of, uh, just because of the, uh, the, uh, uh, I think a lot of injury that came along with mm-hmm. it because of, uh, that was unnecessary, you know, just riding out of your, uh, you know, riding out of your talent level. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, the other thing I think that, um, uh, is, is a big one that, um, that I haven't talked about is, uh, experience and success, you know, at, at whatever level it is that you, that you're riding on. And, uh, and getting some wins under your belt before you move on to the next level. And uh, that's, uh, you know, without the experience of success, you know, it's hard to believe that you are, are capable of, uh, of uh, achieving those goals. Um, you know, you've got to get some wins under your belt. Uh, then when you move up, you're used to winning anyways, you know, and it's not such a, a strange feeling when you do. Uh, get clicking along you know you're right at home uh, at the leaderboard and uh, and I think that's important I think you need to get uh, get experience like that whether it's uh, you know high school or amateur levels or, or whatever but um, you know today it's more you've got your different levels or your you know your open and amateur bull runs or high school sorts of things and then you've got uh, your amateur bull runs uh, and then you've got your pro bull runs and pro rodeos and uh and then there's the pbr and the and there's a lot of different levels that you can ride at and you may be qualified or have a card to ride at all of them but if you're not winning you need to get back to the level that you can win at you know if it's open amateur bull riding that's where you need to ride even though you've got a pro card or a pbr card or whatever the case you know if you're not beating them half the time you better back off and go someplace you're going to win because uh, you know, it's an ego. It, it's just an ego thing. And, and I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's worth it just to say that you're a pro. Uh, if you're not, if you're, if you're a loser in the pros, you're still a loser, you know? That's what I remember the most. <laughs> <about this guy. laughs> you're still a loser. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it's good. To, it's good to be able to win, you know, and I, and I help a lot of kids these days. Uh, uh, we got a little, uh, we got a few bulls around here. We've got a practice pen. Uh, we buck steers and bulls here about uh, twice a month, probably through the summer. And uh, we've got a lot of young guys that come and get on. I think we bucked 16 head of steers here last couple of weeks and, and, uh, and a handful of bulls, you know, and we try and get these guys on bulls that they can ride, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, and they're not, uh, they're just some young three-year-olds. They're probably not the top of the pen, but they're just some bulls that may or may not make it, you know, but, um, we get these guys on bulls like that and they go from open, uh, or entering these open or, you know, open bull ridings and things like that and getting piled every time they, you know, they pay their hundred bucks and get their ass. Uh, drilled and, and uh, they're not getting any further along you know they're not they don't have talent they just have no experience of winning you know winning winning not winning first place but winning against the bull getting a whistle and and so we try and set it up for them to uh, to get a win you know get some confidence built up and then uh, and then go back out there and, and test their skills in the real world you know but 
Um, well, Austin, you, you made a good point there. Those kids going and paying that hundred bucks and not getting a whistle, sometimes not even making two jumps. How, how often does one want to do that and, and just keep donating um, to not accomplish anything? I would think that that whistle sometimes, even if you're not placing, is worth that hundred bucks just for your confidence. And, mm-hmm. and I know exactly where you're, where you're going here. That is an issue why we're not developing young riders anymore is because they just, they'll just choose to do something else because it makes financial sense. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's a, it, it's a different game we play where we pay our own way. And, and uh, you know, the PBR, I think the PBR has changed that over the years, but still that's only for a small percentage of, of North America or the world's bull riders. Um, still paying your way in the PBR. They yeah, get, 100%. The highest level you get a show up check that isn't worth a fiddler's fuck, but you you don't have to pay a fee pay. when you're at the highest level. But right, every other right. level, you're still paying to play. Every single level to play flights, everything on top of that, right? So yeah, if you're not fucking staying on, you're you better figure something out. Yeah, and that, and that's exactly you'd see that every year, uh, especially in the rodeo world. You know, in the spring, those spring rodeos, there'd be you know 15 guys a night and you know, whatever. Well, by June, July, those guys that have made that jump, like yeah. you're talking about Austin, it would thin out, right? You'd be back down to your eights and nines and, and then you're lucky to get that at some rodeos, but that's exactly what you're saying. Like pick your yeah. level, know your level. Medicine hat spring rodeo, rodeo, there'd be 20 guys in the slack. And then by the time you rolled around to Pincher Creek and, <laughs> and those rodeos in late August, you're down to maybe 20 over three perfs. Yeah. Yeah, well, they run out of money. I mean, you can't. Uh, well, they run out of money and, and uh, optimism, enthusiasm. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. they uh, they show up in the spring thinking that they got a chance to, well, go to the Edmonton or do, you yeah. know, go, go yeah. do the fun wherever it is. And uh, usually after, uh, like after Calgary, kind of mm-hmm. takes a window to their sales. They haven't won nothing all year, and and. Uh, their chances of getting uh, getting to the Canadian finals on the East run are probably pretty slim, you know? So, um, yeah, I think that, uh, I think it's, you know, it's just cause it, it's a lot to do with the fact that they were riding at the wrong level for the whole year. So, mm-hmm. uh, but that's just how it goes. Yeah, it's always been like that. How many Keystone lights do you think you went through in your bull riding career? <laughs> God, I don't know. Justin Volz was a friggin' dandy boy, I tell you. Uh, I don't think we, uh, I don't think we traveled with Keystone really until Justin come along with us. He was so, he, he was a trooper, man. He, we could have crossed that border. I don't think we ever passed Shelby without a thirty-pack Keystone right there. So, uh, yeah, it, yeah, we had, we had quite a few. Of them. Uh, it, it was. Uh, I don't know. We just, uh, I don't know. It just seemed to uh, uh, fit the bill. You know, we packed, uh, we had them with us in that way. We didn't have to go, uh, we didn't have to go out and go anywhere. Uh, when we got done, we just, uh, we'd jump in the truck or camper or whatever and, and uh, crack into the Keystones out few until we were uh, ready to call it a night. But, uh, or, or into a van without a registration. <laughs> that was a lucky win, Davidson. Yeah. Uh, game. These guys call me. I'm living in Lloydminster at the time. 
And these guys, <laughs> is that what you did? You won a van? You won a van? Yeah, I won it in a poker game. No way. <laughs> and, you're, and, you're head, and you're heading across the line. And I don't, I can't remember quite how it went on your end. Were you guys at the border and couldn't get across because you didn't have a registration or a bill of sale? Either. We didn't have anything. We just, uh, I won this old van in a poker game from these Aussies that were flying home. And, um, and we were, there was about five of us headed down to, God, I think it was Wichita Falls to uh, a touring pro. And all we had was a pickup, like an cab pickup for five guys drive Texas and back in. So, uh, Thank God I won this band. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we decided Sorry. to take it on his first road trip, and and uh, I hadn't, uh, I, I didn't have a bill of sale. I never had uh, registered in my name. I never had anything. We, uh, but I had the van. So we got to the border, and and somehow or another we got across the border, and and uh, away we went. And we didn't make it to Great Falls, and they had us pulled over. They said, "Hey, you guys realize you didn't have any." Uh, taillights and that thing, and uh, Pink Bunner was driving. He, he called back to me in the back. I was like, Oh, yeah, I remember they told me about that. Yeah, we, yeah, no, we don't have it. Uh, that cop was like, Yeah, no, no, we don't have no taillights. Okay, well, uh, you're gonna have to pull this thing over, you can't drive it. And I was like, Well, shit, that's no good. So he sat there, we pulled off into a gas station, he sat there and watched us for. A little while, and then once he took off, I jumped in that thing and drove into Great Falls. Uh, we took it to, uh, uh, we tried fixing the taillights, we couldn't get them, so we uh, went to the airport and uh, rented a vehicle and drove down there. But when we got back, we still had the same issue, but we uh, we were trying to get uh, back across the border. It was still the middle of the night when we were uh, coming back home, so uh, we took a Leatherman out of my rigging bag, unscrewed the back taillights, stopped at a gas station and bought a couple of flashlights <laughs> and uh, hit the trail. So we, uh, we were golden. We got up to, uh, we got to Shelby, uh, stopped, got new batteries for our taillights. So we were good to go when we got to the border crossing. Yeah. And, uh, and we thought we were right on the money, but uh, uh, they wanted to see proof of registration insurance that I own the vehicle and everything like that, which we didn't have. So is that when you called me coming that's home? That's when I called you and, and uh, I was like, Davidson, I need a bill of sale on this bad. And this is a serial number. And then can you fax it to the border and let them know that we bought it? And your name is something else and this and that. And yeah, he did pull it through, pull it off. Yeah, well, here I, I was about to hit send on my fax machine at my place, and yeah. I'm like. I don't know if I want this because, you know, at the top, yeah. it would have your fax number. Yeah. And I'm like, just hold on. And I bolted down. I forget where I went to a gas station or where uh, I think it was actually the travel uh, travel agency. And I just walked in there and asked them if I could use their fax machine. And they're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I hit send there and I'm like, OK, boys, you're on your own now. This, But I, I remember being scared shitless. I'm like, geez, I don't know if this is a good idea. Twyla's like you're putting your name on that and i'm like actually no it's somebody else's name <laughs> yeah. it does What's it up, does man? have our fax number if i send it from here yeah awesome what about steamboat springs i heard a good story about a check presentation at a bar and a, a girl with a ponytail <laughs> <laughs> he just laughs <laughs> yeah i don't know uh, i don't remember that one <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think 
she had a clip on uh, ponytail or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I borrowed it. I wore it. I wore it around for a little while too. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so was there a, a couple CFRs before you guys made a run uh, at the NFR, or were you going to the states right at eighteen, or how did that progression work and kind of that road to to your your first NFR? Well. I went to um, I went to university down in Montana. I got a rodeo scholarship to ride at uh, MSU Bozeman, and uh, and when I got down there, I started. Uh, well, we went to some college rodeos, uh, and then we went to some we went to some other rodeos, and and, and bull riders only actually is kind of what uh, there was an opening there for young guys because the PBR was just kind of launched, and that'd been '95. And, um, and so I started traveling probably more to the bull riders only events when I was, uh, 19, 20 years old. And, um, and then the next, you know, the next year, 96, um, I, I didn't go back to college. I, I just, uh, I wanted to ride bulls more than I wanted to go to school. And, uh, so I pushed myself to, uh, uh, I pushed myself and, and, uh, and started uh, going to more events. I made the CFR, uh, but never, but not the NFR um, uh, that year. I didn't really try for the NFR, but I went to a few events and got some qualifications. Uh, so in '97, I, you know, that was the first year that uh, I started traveling. So I guess I got a, uh, I got a CFR uh, in '96. Uh, went to the NFR and CFR '97, and. Uh, yeah, I guess I got some, uh, uh, yeah, baby steps maybe, but uh, they, they came pretty fast, you know. It was, uh, uh, it all happened real fast, uh, you know, before. One day I was riding in high school rodeos. The next day I, I was still ri- I was still in high school, but I didn't go to high school rodeos anymore. I was riding at pro rodeos, and, uh, and uh, so it happened fast. I went to university. Uh, that was a great experience. Uh, you know, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't believe it. I guess we didn't realize, I didn't realize, uh, the level I was on until I got down there. And that was a real tough rodeo team to make, to get, uh, get a call to go. There was a, was a big one, you know, because, uh, they only had a few spots to give and, uh, and, uh, to be on the team at that, at that school was, uh, it was an accomplishment because if you were in a two event, hand you were uh you weren't going to cut the mustard you, you're never going to be on the rodeo team you know six guys would get to you know would be on that team uh, every week and uh and and almost more than half of the guys that were riding there were two event hands and good ones you know robert bowers is there riding bulls and bareback horses and dominating both events so is jason jackson uh he never traveled very much but it was uh, you know, he had the skill and, and, uh, and the timed events were just as tough. And, and so uh, I was there, I rode, uh, I rode bulls, Bronx and bareback horses when I was in, you know, high school and, and college and that. Um, but I didn't win a lot in the horse riding events. Uh, you know, that didn't really help me, but, uh, I was able to hold a spot in that rodeo, uh, on that rodeo team in one event for, uh, for the season I was there. And that was tough. Uh, it was really tough. I was beating some of them guys that were pretty good hands in two events. And uh, so it was, you know, it, it was 
it was fun, but they, uh, you know, they appreciated what, what I could bring to the table and, and, uh, you know, I didn't. Like it, it, let's just put it in perspective for our audience here, Austin. Um, they obviously uh, were impressed with your talent because I doubt your report card got you into that school. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't my it wasn't my good grades <laughs> or my good behavior actually. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but they let me in, and I I was always grateful for that. You know, I I, I look back now. I wish I I wished I had the uh, you know, I wish I had the education, but, uh, you know, uh, the decision was made then. And, uh, and my passion was, was riding bulls more than going to school. Uh, I, all I wanted to ever do was be a rancher when I grew up. Um, and, um, I didn't need an education for that, you know, and now that's what I'm doing. And, uh, and I enjoy it, you know, um, there's, uh, there's things I wished I could have dreamt bigger when I was younger, you know, uh, sometimes I wish I had the smarts the, and the education to, uh, do things other than this, but, um, yeah, nonetheless, you know, you know, I made the best decision I could when I was, you know, 19 years old. So. Fucking yeah. Yeah. You know, Oz, we went through a lot of things, you know, Austin's my era. Um, we traveled lots of miles together as, as much as we could, even though I was usually at one spot in a weekend, we did a lot of stuff together and got some trouble together, had some laughs, had some beers. Um, I want to go back to, uh, you know, the days of not wearing a vest, not wearing a helmet. Um, we were together losing guys to this sport. Um, and, and more than one, like you've, uh, you've endured a lot of uh, adversity um, over your career, losing like good buddies um we we touch on this on the podcast on the mental side of how how tough this industry can be um you know take us back to those days you know i believe you were there with or we were in medicine hat when larry sluggett passed i believe i think we were it was medicine hat rodeo weekend i know you you and i were together uh when we lost chris self um you know, we had Steve Blondin back. Those guys, all guys you knew. Our mentor, our hero, Glenn Keeley. Um, what kind of a what kind of a toll did that take on you mentally through those years? I don't know how to answer that, Davidson. Um, it had to. Uh, I I I don't know how it did at the time. You know, uh, looking back, it's amazing. I I, I kept. Uh, it's amazing. I, I, I still wanted to ride bulls after all that experience, you know, uh, when I was 15, uh, I was riding junior bulls and open bulls at some amateur rodeos and a kid, Dusty Wilkinson, uh, same age as me. He was my rival, you know, and, uh, and he got stepped on and killed, uh, at an amateur rodeo in the bull riding. And, and, uh, I showed up the next day and found that out. And I was like, wow, and then I got on junior bull and then I got on my open bull and it was, uh, just to get on those bulls. I don't remember doing very well. I just remember, uh, the hardest part of that day was, uh, well to get on, uh, you know, my guts were just turning. I was, uh, I couldn't believe it, you know, and, and, uh, uh, you know, Lane Frost was, and, uh, that was one of the biggest influences, you know, I ever had. He, he sat down at the autograph line and talked to me like I was, uh, you know, one of his traveling partners. And, and he was like, man, I've been to, you know, you must be good. You guys went to CFR. Wow. Cool. You ever ride, 
in uh, these places. He goes, I've been to Pinocchio and Calgary and these other places. We were like, yeah, we rode there. He says, I've probably seen you ride, you know, and, and uh, you know, he just, there's 200 people waiting in line behind us. And, uh, and he just sat there and made time for us, made, made me feel like I was the only person in the building, you know, and, and uh, you know, it was just really neat to get that experience and to lose him the following year. I cried my, my eyes out, you know, I couldn't believe it. It was my hero. Like mm -hmm. he was, uh, he was a, uh, nothing more than a hero. He was like, uh, he was a legend, you know, and, and, uh, at the top of his game and, and then he was gone and, and, uh, that broke an egg in me. I was like, God, I, I, you know, I just can't believe it. You know, it was like, where do I look now? You know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, 96, I, uh, 95 maybe 96 Larry Sluggett uh, got killed and uh, I was there that day I uh, went to the hospital drove his uh, drove his car up to the hospital because I knew he was there on his own Jim Leatherbury was riding with him but he stayed for a re-ride bowl in Medicine Hat so Larry went up by himself and we took his car to Edmonton when we got there uh, he was dead and uh, we had to call his family and let him know the news and go through that whole experience with them. And that, that was, uh, you know, was, you know, months, you know, of uh, getting them through that, you know, his wife was expecting their first child. Uh, it was, a uh, it was tough. And, and then uh, Chris self, uh, Chris and I were, uh, went down to uh, less or to Vauxhall. Marty Broderson won the uh, Calgary Stampede that year. And we went down to a little party for him, and, and uh, he only lives an hour away from here. So we went down to that party and, and um, you know, and, and celebrated that win with him. He was young, you know. He, he won it. Uh, he, he was only, I don't know what, he was 19, something like that. And uh, I spent the night at Chris's house. Um, he drove me into my, get my vehicle in the morning and uh, headed off to Medicine Hat that day and never come back. So. Um, I mean, I was pretty close home. I was there with him. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, Glenn Keeley, uh, that's the guy that taught, you know, that uh, taught me how to travel, like uh, what it was like to, what it was like to uh, go down the road uh, and, and be able to uh, get to, from one event to the next on a bull rider's wage, you know. Uh, it wasn't glamorous. It was, uh, he, you know, he taught us how to, live according to you know live within our means and uh and uh and and how to be mentally tough you know how to how to per persevere you know he he went to the nfr when he was young and uh he won a canadian title when he was young and then he went for a long time in through his career where he just couldn't get things to roll his way you know he had all the talent he had the ability uh nobody ever doubted him in that regard but uh, he just, uh, he couldn't get things to click. And then one day he was on the Bill Ford Tough Series and, and, uh, and as soon as he got his shot, boom, he, he, he showed everybody that he was that talented all the way, all the way along. And, uh, and he went to beating him and, and winning the money down there. And before he knew it, uh, he got killed, you know? So, yeah. uh, you know, I... And I, knew, I, think I, knew with, lot, I knew a lot of them and, and they, um, they just kept, um, uh, I don't know. I, uh, it was, it, it, it was, 
it, it was tough, you know, it, it, it all affected me. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I think uh, with Chris, with Chris self, um, I, I, I think we were, I think I was staying with you. I know we spent a lot of time in the bunkhouse and whatnot at Duchess at your place. And, and uh, the tough one with Chris, cause we spent some time with Tammy and the kids, the kids, yes. like Chris was married and two little kids. And I think that was what cracked the egg in me a little bit right there. Um, I was just, I think I was engaged to, to Twyla at the time. And, you know, I've said this before, we live such a selfish, selfish lifestyle from, you know, when you start rodeoing at 15, you think you're invincible, right? You're traveling with your hero bull riders and like, you know, you can drive to Mexico with those guys just to sit in the car, just to say you're sitting with those guys. And then you get going on your own, you know, you're entering, you're, you're, you're living your life the way you want it. No rules, except for what the judges maybe apply once in a while. Um, and then that happens and you realize, wow, this is real, you know, obviously it hurts when we were younger. Like I remember Steve Blonde and we were just kids. He was just a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not easy, but when you bring a family into it and, you know, I think we were probably 26, 25 years old when Chris passed. So probably trying to mature maybe a little bit as adults, you know, as much as you can in the rodeo business. And, uh, that one was really tough, uh, really tough just because of the family. You know, he, he left a family behind. Um, it doesn't make it any less or more sad than any of the other guys that we grew up idolizing that passed away. But that one was, that was a different one for me, for sure. You know, and I think as a group, we all, we kind of gelled, I think even more as, you know, we were a pretty tight group back then, Carson, <laughs> Carson Legault, uh, Kelly, you know, we were, you know, there was a good group of guys, uh, ears was up here at that time. Um, I, I think we really leaned on each other through that one more than we did on any other, you know, accident or, or death we had in this business. Um, but that one, I still, that one still, but that one still resonates just like it was the other day. I think about it a lot. I think I think that one with Chris too. It was such an innocent deal in the arena that it, it was unfathomable that that was the end result. I know that's what bothered me too that day. Was it was just so innocent, you know? We've yeah. seen as a group here, we've seen thousands of bad, dirty, nasty wrecks, and that one was just like this. This shouldn't be happening. Yeah, I don't yeah. think anybody was concerned when he got in that ambulance because we. Yeah. Uh, Medicine Hat started the rodeo with bull riding. So he was in the first section. Um, I'm positive he was on ballistic. Uh, that was the bull he had drawn. And, uh, you know, he wasn't even mean or anything. It was just a freak accident. And, uh, yeah, by the end of the perf, the news had got back to us that uh, he didn't make it. I remember Tanner Gerlitz was just a snot-nosed little kid running around there at the time, steer rider. And, and uh, I'll never forget that's exactly who told me what. Oh. what the deal was quite the sport man yeah you never know what the fuck's gonna happen <laughs> nuts yeah. nope. um austin changing gears a little bit uh the nfr as a canadian kid getting to go to the nfr i know you said you were young but what was the what was the fucking nfr experience like that had to be just a dream come true amazing time looking back yeah i couldn't believe it you know uh the first night the grand entry was something I'll never forget. Uh, you know, the sitting out back and 
and uh, all those all those guys, 120 people mounted on, you know, uh, sitting outside the back, the Thomas and Mac, and all you can hear is, the, you know, the big intro and, and everything like that. People are pumped. They're excited. The horses feel the energy. They're, they're excited too. And then, uh, and then you start riding down that ramp and, and uh, you pop through the, the yellow shoots and you see that arena and it's, I mean, electric. It was, greatest experience of my life you know it was worth everything um uh getting to ride in that you know that atmosphere it's a big build-up you know and and uh and so many people were uh that we you know that we rode with uh you know at that time there was a lot of guys that that traveled south uh from canada that that uh you know tried to get there you know they they take a run at it you know or they'd go to the winter rodeos or they'd go to here or there and and uh, see if they could get some you know some qualifications or things like that and and uh uh and and just fall short you know and and it was uh uh it, it was great you know it was a great feeling of accomplishment to uh to get there and uh and it was short-lived uh, you know it was short-lived for me when i got there you know a second round of bull uh, a bull just uh, he, he just pulled me down and tagged me in the cheek with the horn it was an innocent thing too but it busted all my orbital bones and my you know cheekbone and, and uh, you know and swole my face up knocked a bunch of teeth out uh, and you look like Johnny Chavez for the rest of the week <laughs> yeah I mean Johnny <laughs> just got hurt uh, I rolled the next day I, I, I couldn't uh I couldn't not ride, you know, I, I worked too hard to get there and, uh, uh, thought, oh, it's a long ways from my heart, you know, but, um, uh, you know, first jump out on that next bull, I, I, it was, uh, it, it was too much of a distraction. Uh, it was just nothing but pain, you know, I couldn't yeah. think about riding and, and, uh, and I got bucked off, but, um, uh, about five minutes after that, my eye was swole sh completely shut. Uh, I never, I couldn't open my eye. My eye was swole shut for another 10 days or something like that. I, I never rode anymore after that. Uh, I got, got a little money. I got second that uh, second round and the day I got hurt. And, and uh, so I got a little bit out of there. Um, yep. And it was, it was good. You know, uh, the probably the hardest part was, uh, it was, uh, I got my jacket, you know, my, my NFR jacket. And I was like, wow, that was day before the rodeo. And, uh, shit, we went out and had some fun, uh, got our, you know, got our vests, our jackets, all our gear and all that stuff. And it was starting to set in and get real. And, uh, God, I found myself a lady for the night and, uh, took her back to the room. God damn, she didn't uh, take off my NFR jacket. No. <laughs> that rotten bitch. Uh, so I never had that thing for five hours. <laughs> uh, did, you, did, did you try and order a replacement? <laughs> you know what? Uh, I didn't say nothing about it, really, because I, I was what do you, what do you... <laughs> but, um, John McDonald, he was a stock contractor, a bull contractor down there. And he, uh, he'd heard that I was, I, I lost my jacket and he, uh, he actually seen some gal that gal wearing it around here about the last, second last day. 
and he got her back from her and got her back to me at the oh room. no oh shit. nice what a yeah. solid guy yeah that's cool yeah that's a good yeah story. so that was uh that was good that was uh that was uh that was a good one but uh god that was uh it was kind of funny uh like <laughs> God, why can you wear your vest and not your jacket? It's freaking cold out, you know? I was like, oh, shit, it's not that bad, you know? <laughs> and uh, just kind of played it like that. But it was, oh, yeah, that's how she goes sometimes. <laughs> uh, she wanted it worse than I did, I guess. Yeah, she needed it. Yeah. Uh, what year did you did you retire from for riding bulls, Austin? It was 2005. 2005? Yeah. yeah. So I rode uh, from 94 until 2005. And did then, you uh, did you go out on I your like, own or was it was it injury related? It was pr- both. Uh, I, I was tired of riding, um, uh, and I was tired of riding. And my first uh, my son Rylan was born that year before that, so I rode for about a year after he was born. And it just didn't sit well with me. I went through too much with sluggets and, and the selfs and, and that, uh, I didn't, you know, I felt like I was uh, being too selfish to, to, uh, to keep, uh, you know, keep a career like I had, mm-hmm. uh, and raise a family and, and, uh, just seen too much go wrong. So I just decided to, uh, to, to quit and, and, uh, and shift that, that attention that I had given to riding bulls to the, our ranch and, and my family. And, and, uh, and, and I never looked back. Uh, I never looked back from that point. So it was, uh, it was easy for me to quit. I probably would have quit two, three years earlier, but it was a pretty good gig. You know, I go, I, I was, I'm lazy. I was a cowboy. I wanted to, you know, I couldn't find a job that I could work, put as little in, and get as much back out of his driving bulls uh, towards the end of my career. But I really didn't enjoy it as much as I did when I was younger. It's a funner single, single man. Yeah. Thing. It's amazing t- how you actually grow up. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we talk about, we talk about the addiction of the sport and I mean, for myself, same thing, planned retirement, but let's be honest, that addiction hangs on for a long time, no matter You've, you've made the decision consciously to get out of the sport for whatever reason. Um, it's tough because it's always nagging at you that how easy it was for, you know, you to make a living with very little effort. For me, it took a while just to finally get over that part of it, you know, um, even though that I was ready and you were ready. Um, can you kind of expand on, on what you went through as, or if you did even uh, want to get back at it? Yeah, what uh, Tyler Thompson said something the other day uh, that uh, uh, rodeo is just a, a way. Uh, rodeo is just a way to avoid growing up, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and uh, and he's he's pretty right, you know, because uh, it is. I mean, you, you can't. Uh, yeah, there's lots of miles. There's lots of this. It's still a pretty easy way to get. You know, if you can, if you if you're cashing checks it's pretty easy way to make a living and, um, and, and you can apply yourself so much to the sport that you're hardly ever distracted with anything else. And it's hard to find a replacement for that. Once you do quit riding bulls, it's hard to find something that you can be that passionate about and, and apply yourself hundred percent towards that, uh, like you did with that. And that's, uh, that was, I think that's the big thing is the, the struggle was, 
was uh, uh, finding something that uh, that I cared as much about that I could really, you know, really put my efforts towards um, as much as I did uh, riding bulls. And and uh, and maybe I never will find that, but uh, but I've uh, you know I, I've I've tried quite a few different things and and you know in search for that. And um, it's a tough act to follow. It's a tough act to follow. Hundred percent. As you uh, like, in to Scott's point, and Tanner, you haven't went through this yet because you transitioned from riding bulls into bullfighting, and and I don't think you ever will now that you're producing events. I was fortunate enough the same. Scott, you've stayed involved, um, and so did you, Austin. You you rolled right into. Uh, into the PBR position for me, I've never left it. Um, just I'm there in a different capacity. I don't, I, I kind of do. And I kind of don't understand how, you know, we both had good buddies that we don't, you don't see them anymore. Like they just walk away from it. I'm going to use my, my old buddy, TJ Baird, for example, you know, and I tried to get him involved. I know you did, you know, he'd have been a great stock guy. He just had no desire when he hung up his cleats. He just never, I don't know if he's been to a rodeo since. And, and I tried to get him, like I was going to pick him up and take him up to Wanham with me one time, but just nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, who wants to go what to you, what you, Wanham? Yeah. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Austin does. We've been there. I've been there. Yeah. All right. Been there. So, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> you think, don't need to go back. <laughs> what do you think that is? Do you think that the sport has just, you know, chewed those guys up to the point and spit them out where they just don't want to go back? Like, what do you think it is? Because um, you're getting back involved now. I know. And, and uh, you kind of left for a while and, you know, I wanted you to come judge and you had no interest. And, but I, you know, with your practice pens and, and some bulls now, we might get to see you again. But what, what is that? What, what causes that to a human that they just don't want to be around that anymore? I, I wanted a break personally. I, I was tired of riding. Um, you know, I had a big ranch to take care of. Uh, and then I was gone for three or four days on the weekend and I'd be behind. Uh, I'd be playing catch up for, two or three days when I got back and then I'd be working ahead to try and get away for the next weekend. So I was working so damn hard at home that, uh, it was exhausting. You know, I was doing a, uh, half-assed job on the ranch and I, and I wasn't riding to the same level as I expected of myself when I was there, but I wasn't giving it any time, any thought, any consideration for five days while I was away from the sport. I wasn't thinking about it at all. Uh, I was fairly, you know, doing good just to make entries for, you know, for the weekend. But I never thought about it. And it showed, you know, I didn't ride as good, you know, towards the end of my career as I did when I was younger. But, um, um, you know, I was exhausted. I was tired out. And then whenever, uh, when three months after I, after I quit, um, that uh, Sean Gleason called and, and uh, wanted me to, uh, to head up PBR Canada and uh, get things rolling up here and, and, uh, and launch their Canadian division. And I said, I would, but I mean, that was a bigger commitment than that. That was yeah. twice as big a commitment uh, to do that as when I was, you know, I was in control of how many events I'd go to, um, whether I'd go or not, you know, all those things. But when I was with the PBR, uh, I was gone from home 200 days a year 
and uh, and and uh, it was a lot of work and and things started really getting behind at home and uh, and it was uh, you know it, it was just too damn much <clears throat> something had to give you know and and uh, I finally after about three years I I wrapped things with the PBR. I said, I've given you guys everything I could, um, but it's costed me, you know, my, you know, with my family, with my ranch, with my personal life, it's just, uh, it's just been too much. And then whenever I finished up there, then I was able to, uh, to relax and, and get things caught up and feel good and feel on track around here. And, uh, and, and I guess it's been about 10 years since that, and, uh, and, and now I'm ready to, you know, my kids are getting older. They're, you know, in their mid teens and, and, uh, got a little more independence and things like that. And, and, uh, and I've always still enjoyed this sport. Uh, I like helping out. I like giving back. I like spending time with these young guys. Uh, I really like, um, you know, I really like sharing with, you know, little tidbits of things yeah. Uh, yeah. with those guys that, uh, you know, just fast track them in their careers, you know, and, and help them get through some of their early struggles. And, and I think that's probably my biggest uh, reason to want to get back involved is, uh, is just that I've, I've got a few things that I can share with those guys, but man, if I sit at home, I don't even go to Brooks, you know, I don't even go to town uh, hardly ever uh, when I'm home. And, uh, you know, it's just a little too secluded and uh, you know, it's nice. Uh, I can help a friend of mine, and has got some bucking bulls and <laughs> crippled up and, and, uh, can't get, uh, can't get around. So I help him sort and load and haul them bulls and, and, uh, he loves it, you know, and, and, uh, and it's nice to be able to help him, uh, out and do that with those bulls. But once I get out and, and around the sport and, and, uh, involved in it a little bit more, um, I realized what I missed, you know, uh, I, I realized that, uh, you know, it was a good part of my life and, and, uh, and, and I still fit in when I get there, you know, it's nice to, uh, right till the end, right till the end you do. <laughs> How <can> I? Yeah. <laughs> Lethbridge. I said, right till the last call you fit in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Fucking right. no so we kidding. Like to, we're not scared of a good time. <laughs> no, uh, no, uh, that's all it was a good time you know uh all the way through yeah um you talk so, about the bull side of things austin some of the bulls that you raised including homegrown um what are what are some of the the bulls other bulls that you raised throughout the years that people probably don't know some bulls that went to the, the finals and some of the greatest across canada yeah there was a uh, uh ten what uh tennessee whiskey is a good bull that nansen bull's got um um, there was a bull called Crybaby was a real good, uh, a good young bull. He went to, uh, he went to Vegas. Um, yeah, they had a, like a, a, a fraternity or a derby, I guess, where there's three and four year old bulls. Mm -hmm. Uh, he went down there when he was a three year old and ended up sixth out of uh, 45 bulls and, and, uh, against mostly four year olds, you know, and he was a real good bull. He went to the PBR Canada finals as a three-year-old in the short round, he was a, he was a good one. He crippled, uh, they crippled that bull the following season and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, there's been some pretty good bulls that, uh, that come through. We had a good breeding program. Um, I watched it, uh, you know, I, I, I lived with Kelly and he had a good program too, you know, and, and him and I talked about a lot of things, you know, uh, 
uh, what we liked and good cows, good bulls, good thing, you know, different things like that. You know, just uh, I lived with him when he was when he built Garfield, you know, and uh, we talked, you know, at lengths about what uh, he had in his best cow he wanted to flush and what, you know, what bull he wanted to use. And we talked over this, that and the other thing and decided on Yellow Jacket, you know, I was like, you can't go wrong. I mean, he's a proven he's a world champion. He's got a son that was, you know, a two time world champion. You know, he's, <laughs> it, it, it's all there. And, and uh, we liked everything about both those bulls. And decided to go that route and and uh you know i watched him and, and studied those uh bulls uh, breeding programs more than anything and uh and then whenever i started to uh, slow down from riding bulls i started chipping away and buying some cows and uh, and just pretty selective on whose programs that they came from and and then uh once i got them uh, i loved every one of them but uh you know they had to start proving themselves and and uh to get those hand-picked cows and, and cull those cows out of my program because they just weren't producing. Uh, it was tough, you know, but you got to have such high standards in that business. Uh, raising them, you know, you can't fall in love with them down things because if they're not doing the work, you got to get them gone. And, uh, and I think that's the hardest part about raising bulls is that you fall in love with their papers, their pedigree, their, yeah. Yeah. they, they look so good on paper that you can't get rid of them, but you know, it, it comes down to, uh, the eyeball test to <laughs> and, and you got to have such high, you know, strict criteria for culling your, your cattle in that, uh, in your cow herd, you know, you've got to have, uh, such high standards for that without exception. And, uh, in order to be uh, consistent, you know, but uh, once you get, you know, when you get onto that program and you stick to it, it works. And, uh, and uh, you can call right down to nothing just about, uh, but at least what you've got left is working. And then you, you build it back up from there. And, and uh, that's what I tried to do. And for the amount of cows I run, probably 20 cows most of the time, uh, I, uh, sometimes I'd have eight bull calves that went on and worked at a pro level, you know, uh, out yeah. of 12, 20 cows, you know, so it, it worked it, and it was, it, it was fun to do. It was fun to build them. Um, but the, I got out of that because I was kind of playing the game on my own. My kids were young. Uh, my buddies weren't around. We weren't doing you know, this wasn't a fun thing anymore. And it was a lot of work for me dragging dummies around and this and that. And we decided finally just to let them cows go and, uh, and, and uh, increase our beef herd and kind of go from there. But uh, I miss having it. Uh, I miss having them around. Uh, we've got a few bulls that we keep around here for, uh, to, you know, we take to some local events, but some practice bulls, you know, for these guys when they want to come and get on and get some confidence built up. We got some bulls around for that and a little practice pen and a bunkhouse for them. And it's cool. good. Uh, you know, it's good. I like, I like bull riding. I like every darn part of it. I like it right from the production end of those events to the bulls and what it takes to build them, what it takes to, uh, you know, reading and watching bulls and noticing when they need a break or change deliveries or this, that, and the other thing. Uh, I've studied all of it from top to bottom, inside and out, and uh, for my whole life, and and, uh, and and I appreciate every every different part of it. So it, it's um, it's nice to get 
back involved in it a little bit more here. What do you yeah. think Austin was like over all the years, whether it be the NFR experience, whether it be traveling with Kelly and Volts and the, the life on the road, maybe afterwards the Bulls, what stands out of, of your career so far or, or of your past as like the, the coolest maybe moment or moments throughout, throughout your career? What stands out as like the coolest time uh, in your life or in your career? Hmm. I think it's, um, I think the coolest part of it is that, you know, is, is that you're only as good as your competition, you know? And, uh, and I think the, the cool part was uh, I was fortunate when, you know, when I was younger to, there was a lot of talent, you know, in the sport of bull riding when I, when I grew up, local talent from Canada. Yeah. And, uh, and if you weren't good, you didn't make it, you know, but there was a lot of guys that never went to, you know, just cause they didn't go to Vegas or whatever the case didn't mean they didn't have talent. You know, there was like Brad Link and, and, yeah, I was just thinking. and Marty Broderson. And I mean, there's guys, Danny Golden, and you know, like there are so many guys that could really ride, and uh, and I think the uh, that that helped to bring bring to that level. But I think the cool part was um, when you get in the truck with uh, with a bunch of winners, you know, Mike White, and get you know guys like that that uh, that you know you just keep uh, pushing yourself and and. Uh, and you jump in with a truck full of guys who's intimidating, Glenn Keeley, you know, things like, like that, that, uh, that were there. And then uh, you, you push yourself out of your league or out of your element, and then you rise to the occasion and you just get riding that good with them, you know. I think that was the coolest part of it, you know. It was whether it was Matt Roy or Justin Volts or Schiffner or me or Kelly or Robert, you know, uh, rode it with, with lots of those guys. And I think the cool part was, uh, I never thought I rode that good, but I was riding, you know, I was right there with all those guys and, and, uh, and I thought they were the greatest in the world, you know, but, um, but I was able to, uh, you know, I surprised myself by, uh, you know, getting some of their money once in a while too, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, that was the, I, I think that was the funnest part was I could see all the talent. I could see the, you know, I could see the level of talent in, in all my traveling partners, but I, I didn't necessarily see it in myself. But, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it felt good to, uh, you know, it felt good to be in that same league with them. Yeah. Fucking yeah. That yeah. was the cool yeah. part. You know, it's the, it's the miles, it's the miles and the memories, you know. Uh, you know, I forget most of how so many bulls I got on, but, you know, I can remember a lot of good times on yeah. the road that were, uh, that were pretty uh, – you know, they were pretty cool. And, uh, and, uh, that was the fun part, you know, that was, uh, that was bond right there was, uh, you know, was getting to getting to the next one and getting, helping them get through their struggles and, and, uh, and then them helping you back again, you know, and it was, uh, you know, you couldn't have done without each other. So yeah, it was yeah, cool right. part was the traveling partners, I guess. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's cool. But Scott has our uh, our infamous question for you before we before we wrap it up. Well, Austin, it's good to chat with you again today. I haven't seen you in a while. You're you're looking good, young as ever. Um, this is the NFP podcast. We 
we know what it means to us, and we're just wondering what's your take on NFP. Oh, NFP. Quit making excuses, you know. Don't uh, No excuses, you know. Own your shit, uh, really. Uh, it's got to be about that. Yeah. You can't... Uh, you can't make excuses if you if you're a bull rider and and and, and just because bull kicked back the shoots that uh, that's why you got bucked off that's still your fault for falling off you know uh, you can't you can't uh, you, you can't do that you know uh, if you if you got an excuse for why you got bucked off you're you're being a pussy you know you can't uh, you got to own every bit of it you know and and uh, and, and I think that's all it comes down to is, is get rid of the excuses, you know, don't be a pussy, uh, cowboy up, uh, claim your wins, claim your losses, you know, uh, I think that's what it comes down to Fucking a. Uh, for me, NFP. Anything else you want to share? We always kind of ask our guests at the end, if there's any stories or anything that pops into your mind or anything you want to share or, uh, yeah, get out there to the world. Um, if I had one thing on my mind, I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's a, uh, we touched on it a little bit before kind of the coaching and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's a good thing. You know, we, we go undisciplined, you know, we run on a free reign and, and that sort of thing. And, and, uh, if I could say anything that might help, you know, some of your listeners, some of your viewers, uh, or, you know, is, uh, is to get, uh, you know, especially the young guys, is to, you know, try and get, get somebody, um, you know, get, find somebody that can coach you, that can kind of, you know, that you, you, you know, accountability person, you know, to keep you on track, you know, and, uh, we run pretty free reign and, uh, and it was fun and great, but, you know, ultimately, uh, I'd like to see more Canadian guys get, uh, you know, get the, the talented guys get to that level, but, uh, it's not talent alone, you know, without the self-discipline, without the guidance and direction, uh, you're only going to get so far. And I think, uh, yeah, I think that that's a, a part of the sport that uh, we could really improve on. Um, you know, I'd like to see, you know, starting with these guys when they're young, uh, I'd like to see the talent level, uh, you know, get, to, get deeper here from Canada. And, and I think that, um, you know, maybe I can help with that, but, um, uh, more than anything is I think it's going to take, uh, you know, I think it's going to take uh, commitment from some of the older guys to, uh, help out with, uh, you know, with the youth and, and develop the sport in that respect. So, yeah, I guess that's the, the one thing, you know, since I heard that, uh, you guys were going to have me on here, if I had, you know, if I had a chance to share my opinion on one thing, it would be, uh, I think that's an area that we can really improve on uh, in the sport. Um, I put a lot of effort into making things better for these Canadian guys to get down there. Um, you know, we, uh, it was tough when I was riding to get qualified and set up for the Bill Ford Tough, but we had a big talent pool here, you know, kind of like the Canadian Bronc riders are mm -hmm. right now, uh, you know, rewind that 20 years ago. That's what it was like when I was riding bulls, you know, and, and, uh, and it was, uh, it was easy to, you know, it wasn't, you had to be good in order to, you know, to, to stay, uh, competing then. And, uh, and I just don't see the depth in our, in our 
bull riders like we had back then. And I think we got to start when they're young. And I think that they could use a lot of uh, a lot of direction and some encouragement, things like that. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's uh, you know something that uh, uh, something we need to do to uh, to get uh, get the talent back. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. I like it. Guys, step up and like you say yourself, even right. If we can do more for the young guys and, and give them some guidance and and help them get down the road in a in a sense mindset wise, right? You know how it is to to try to go down there and do it and and lots of guys that'll break an egg and i'm like you say that they uh don't have success off the hop and don't really like it but with guys like you and and uh, tyler thompson generational guys like that 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 these guys can maybe reach out to and um i think that's kind of what you're saying right is, is you're willing to help and and uh take some of these guys under their wings and help them get down the road yeah uh, and i am you know we're set up to we're set up to do that and, and uh you know it's passion mine and so yeah, I'd put it out there and say that, uh, you know, we got, uh, we're set up to do that. And, and uh, our doors are open uh, for some of these guys. Uh, lots of them, you know, there's some talented young bull riders out there, you know, Griffin Smelzer and mm-hmm. Ethan Schultz and, and Jet Lambert, you know, there's uh, Blake Smith. There's some guys that are young with a lot of talent. We've got a chance to spend some time around them here in the last couple of years. And, and, uh, you know, I got a lot of uh, faith in their abilities, you know, uh, to, to go on. And uh, that's just a start, you know. But, um, I, you know, I, I think if I can help in any way uh, right now, it, you know, it's in that capacity. And, and uh, yeah, our door is open and uh, hope that we can uh, help, uh, you know, help build the sport up and start with the youth and, and get a good roster together to represent Canada. Beauty. Yeah, I love it. That's good work. Austin, you know, from me as a, as a younger guy looking up to, to you in the sport in Canada and being one of those guys, you along with Kelly that, that stepped out of your box, went to the U S challenged yourself against the best guys in the world. That's what I tried to, to do as an athlete coming from Canada. I wanted to do what you guys were doing and, but just that mindset and, and you guys, going out and doing that before us that made me have the confidence and, and pause on as well right we're like well let's fucking be like kelly and austin and, and go down there and not stay up here and challenge ourselves against the best guys in the world so you guys were big influences on on myself and and pause as well and lots of us in in the, our generation to to like you say go at it and, and show the show the talent that we have up here in canada and represent canada uh, like you guys did so appreciate appreciate you without you knowing that I appreciate what you guys did and paved the way for guys like us. Well, thanks for the acknowledgement and uh, having me on here, guys. I wouldn't expect it. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, uh, it's great. Keep up the good work. Uh, I enjoy listening to your podcast. And, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's fun. Good way to pass the time. It's a good story. Good to hear everybody else's stories, too. Well, uh, just, you just figure out how to hit send on your email. I don't know if Crystal told you she fired me an email last week or the week before just said, hey, I just found this in Austin's outbox and it didn't oh, go. God. Yeah, so I don't, know when you, I don't know when you sent the original email. No, I never <laughs> sent it. I typed it and made a draft. I never sent it. I just, oh, uh, I got you. I just, I was traveling. Um I was traveling and I'd been listening to some of your podcasts in the airport, you know, when I was flying and, uh, and I just typed up a a draft of an email thinking, 
Yeah, I could, uh, you know, I could chime in on a lot of what you guys are doing, you know, and, and uh, yeah, there's a lot, you know, I mean, you know, take, uh, you know, take the, the pause bomb thing, you know, there's mental health, um, you know, I, I've got some experience with that stuff. It's, yeah. it's you know, sure. the transition from the sport into retirement and into regular life, that's a tough thing, you know, that wasn't easy for me to do. Um, no, it, no, it actually fucking sucks to tell you. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we're just regular guys, you know, yeah. according to us, you know, but when you look back on it, we're not, we've had a lot of privilege that uh, other mm -hmm. people couldn't do. We got away with shit that nobody yeah. else. Did, you know? And then you come yeah. home and re live regular normal life and you think yeah. you can still get away with that stuff and you can't, you know, you can't live yeah. like uh, a rock star and, and, uh, and be a family man and, you know, help out in your community and, and do all that stuff. It, it just don't, doesn't fit. You know, some of that shit's meant to be done on the road. <laughs> <laughs> with a chuckle, he says. <laughs> but I, I agree with you, Austin. I, I know. <laughs> I agree with you. I know when, when I was done, I still had that. I always say it was kind of a chip on my shoulder or whatever. Uh, I was, I was no longer known as, you know, as stupid as it sounds, Scott Byrne, the bullfighter, it was just Scott Byrne. And I had to talk hockey with the local dads and I didn't really give a shit about that kind of stuff. Right. So, you know, when I'd go out on the weekends, man, I went out, you know, yeah. just cause that's how you, that's how it was. And uh, it was a tough transition, whether, like I said earlier, whether I chose to make that transition or not, it still was tough. Yeah, and, and I talked to Curtis Glencross about it too a little bit. He's, you know, a guy said, "What do you do?" You know, he'd quit playing hockey, and I said, "What, you know, how, how is that?" You know, and he's like, "Man, I'll tell you, I'm lost." You know, I've got, uh, I'm trying to apply myself the same, you know, and and I'm doing broadcasts and I'm hunting and I'm doing, you know, other things, but you know that helps for when I'm doing those things. But boy, there's a lot of time in between, you know, and and. Uh, yeah, and it is a struggle, you know. That transition into retirement from sport is a—it's a tough one, and uh, and uh, yeah, it can bring on some different uh, challenges. Even mental health, you know, uh, you know, alcohol—that uh, was a big one for me, uh, and uh, and it took me a while to realize that it was kind of getting in my way, but you know, kind of that thing that was kind of getting between me and the life of my dreams, you know, but. Once I realized and uh, and uh, and knew I needed to make a change in order to cut that out, uh, in order to get back on track, uh, you know, yeah, I didn't know I had any problems. You know, I just thought it was I was normal. But you know, it's been over four years. You know, since I drank and and uh, and now I feel good. I see the world a little differently, and and uh, and uh, you know, I can kind of appreciate where. I maybe went wrong or got off track and, you know, in different ways, but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not all that easy, you know, uh, it's hard to, you know, it, to, you, you consider yourself a, a top of your game or, or better than whoever, better than, better than whoever you think. And, uh, it's ego, you know, you feed your ego for sure. 10 or 12 years of your life or, or probably more. And then you got to get rid of that and strip it down and, and learn how to live like a normal person. And, and, uh, and it's humbling, you know, it's, uh, 
it, it's tough uh, at times. And yeah, I mean, I go on forever, but uh, I got some experience with that too. You know, my <laughs> door is open for people who want to talk about it. You know, I, I don't want to see people struggling, uh, you know, with depression and, and anxiety and different things like that and drinking and doing drugs and whatever, just trying to, uh, avoid the reality you know I mean uh, yeah I, I, I get that you know it's uh, it's not that easy but uh, you know maybe a song for another time we've been on here for an hour <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no that's cool I appreciate you do you bringing that up the mental health side yeah. of things yeah Can life sucks it's tough some days <laughs> uh, that's cool no i appreciate that austin and, and uh opening up and and uh being real with us on here that's that's cool and yeah thanks old boy it. yeah that was good yeah, you so. thanks for having me guys for yeah, sure good to see you this has been yeah. our interview with austin BC. yeah we might live two lives here i am 20 years to the day like i thought i would Stop.